Hello, welcome to my Two Cents Podcast. I am your host, G2, and I am here to talk about AEW's full year event that just happened. And I'm just going to straight up start with the first match of the night, which was the steel cage match between Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. And Jungle Boy would win the match by pinfall when he would climb the steel cage and jump off the cage, landing an elbow drop on Luchasaurus, who's on a table and crashing through it. Then Jungle Boy will lock in the snare trap on Luchasaurus, and Luchasaurus would tap out. Now, there was a moment in the match where Christian would pickpocket the referee for the key, and once Christian got the key and unlocked the cage, the ref would call for security to come down. The security would drag Christian to the back. You will see Luchasaurus try to, well, Luchasaurus did leave the ring, he beat up one security guard, but two other security guards did drag Christian to the back. Uh, Jungle Boy would leave the cage, and he would attack Luchasaurus from behind, but Luchasaurus would get the better of Jungle Boy and throw him into the cage, then throw him back in the ring. And then this would allow Luchasaurus to get uh, chairs and a table and throw it into the ring. So that's the reason how a table got in the actual steel cage for Jungle Boy in the end to smash Luchasaurus through the table and locking the snare trap at the end. Luchasaurus had Jungle Boy beat up a lot throughout the matchup. You would see him hit uh, Jungle Boy with a razor's edge on the cage. You would see him actually bloody uh, Jungle Boy up in his face. So Jungle Boy was bleeding in the matchup. I mean, he even at one point, he would choke slam Jungle Boy like on a chair that was sit up. So he would actually crash Jungle Boy's body through the chair. So for me, I like this matchup to begin the show. It basically showed the contrast of, again, the David versus Goliath uh, comparison with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. So I like this match and how it started off AEW full gear. And it will lead to our next matchup, which is the trios championship matchup of the Death Triangle going against the Elite. Now, you would have the Death Triangle come out first. Usually the champions come out second, but this time they came out first because we got a big grand entrance from the elite. The lights will go out. You will see a video flash up on the uh, screen, and they basically said that they're the gears that made this machine work and to basically just carry on. And then we would get the lights popping back on. You will see the lights not on the elite yet, but you'll see the silhouette of Kenny and the Young Bucks standing at the middle of the stage, and you will hear Kansas carry on Wayward Son playing in the arena, and people are just losing their mind. They are loving it because they get to see the Elite come back. The Elite have been away from AEW for two months. So once the Elite are walking down the ramp, you see Kenny smiling. You see the Young Bucks smiling. They have Don Callis. They have Michael Nakazawa. They have uh, Brandon Cutler with them like legit the elite are back in full effect here and once the match will begin you would hear f cm punk chants and you hear the crowd also chant for cole cabana and again the crowd are playing into the whole reason why the elite got suspended with their whole beef with cm punk after the all-out press conference that happened a couple months ago and the fans have clearly picked their side they uh, sided with the elite here so that will happen before actual wrestling began between both teams. But in the end, uh, the Death Triangle would win the match when Kenny Omega grabbed Phoenix and he was going to hit the one-winged angel. But what Kenny did not know was that Phoenix had the timekeeper hammer that Pac gave him. And 
originally Phoenix was like moving Kenny's arm so he wouldn't try to like hold his neck to deliver the one wing angel. And eventually Phoenix will have to pop Kenny in the head with the timeskeeper hammer and then roll up Kenny to win the matchup. So Death Triangle retained their championships. And also Phoenix did break a cardinal rule of his that, that he didn't want to use the hammer because weeks upon weeks, you have Pac telling both Penta and Phoenix that they need to retain their championships and win at any means necessary. And he would usually be holding the Timeskeeper hammer. So Phoenix broke his cardinal rule here. He did use it. So that kept the Death Triangle to retain their trios championships here. And personally, I like the matchup here. You had Death Triangle and you had the Elite basically proving why they are two of the greatest trios factions or trios teams out here in the world because you have Pac with the Lucha Brothers and they have cultivated a like kinship with each other since what, 2020? And then you had the Elite who's been literally a legit three-man team since I say what, AJ Styles left New Japan in 2016, but Kenny came over in 2015, late 2015, or 2015. Either way, they've been doing this tag team thing or trios team for about a good, what, six, seven years now? So they have cultivated their own style of how they work together and just taking two months off of television, that doesn't mean you have ring rust when you are Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. No, that just means you get time to rest your body up especially Kenny, because he's been dealing with a lot of crap before he even came back. So just getting that extra two months just to rehab your body, I'm pretty sure Kenny feels better. And he looked better, too, because he looked in great physical condition. He looked just phenomenal shape. And again, they were able to do the hits. Kenny was able to do the You Can't Escape. He was able to do the Terminator dive. The Young Bucks were able to do their whole shtick of their whole uh aerial maneuvers and the super kicks and all that type of stuff so again the young bucks and kenny did not miss a beat here and people were disappointed that the elite lost their return match here but again they only held the belts for one night and then they went sent away the death triangle have been holding the trio's division down for two months and for them to have dropped the belts back to the elite would have been, in my personal opinion, like a spit in the face, like, okay, thank you, but bye-bye now. No, the Death Triangle are still your trio champions, and I'm glad for that, but it would be announced later in the night that Tony Khan has set up a best-of-seven series for the Elite and Death Triangle, and this match that they had at full gear counts as one of the best-of-seven matches. So, right now, Death Triangle's up one match, and their next match will be at this week's upcoming Dynamite. So that will continue. So they're still continuing their whole rivalry of Death Triangle and the Elite. And this is still for the Trios Championship. So we're going to see how this continues to go. Maybe at Dynamite, we might see the Young Bucks do some sneaky stuff and have Brandon Cutler come up and like hit one of the uh, Lucha Brothers or hit Pack with something or give something off to the Young Bucks to win the match. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But we will get a rematch with the Elite and Death Triangle this upcoming uh, Dynamite. Now, after this, we have the TBS Championship matchup of Nyla Rose, who had Vicky Guerrero and Marina Shafir in her corner, going against Jay Cargo, who had the baddies in her corner. Jade will win the match by pinfall by hitting Jaded for the win. And now Jaded is 42-0, and and now she holds her TBS Championship back in her possession. Uh, the only things that came out of this match, personally to me, was like their entrances. Nyla Rose came out 
and a low rider with Vicky Guerrero, who Vicky was wearing a Rhea Ripley shirt that says, I'm your mommy, because Rhea Ripley is parroting a Eddie Guerrero t-shirt that said, I'm your poppy, whenever he was doing his whole feud Rey Mysterio at the time. So it was nice to see Vicky to, one, come out in a low rider, paying respect to her late husband, and still wearing like a parody of his shirt that which WWE's making money off of for Rhea Ripley. That's a thing. And Jay Cargill, she came out in like a Thundercats gear. I'm I don't know much about Thundercats. I mean I've seen it from time to time, but I didn't really pay attention to it. But that's the only thing that came about it. And Jade with her entrances on um pay-per-views, she always does something special. The last one she was She Hulk. The one before that she was, I believe Jade from Mortal Kombat. So every pay-per-view, she always has some type of special gear made for her and all that. So this just continues on with it with the whole uh, comic book, superhero type of stuff that Jade's doing. So again, Jade is mainstream. I say all that in long form to say Jade is mainstream. Jade, Jade is going to be mainstream. She just needs to have that one more final push before she's actually out there in the mainstream, being on commercials, being what AEW wants for what any wrestling company wants. They want to have a mainstream uh, wrestler, mainstream superstar attraction on their roster that they could put anywhere and they will not look out of place. And Jade is close to that. I don't know what else they need for Jade to be that mainstream star that they want, but whatever they do, they find it, trust me, and they will find it. Jade's going to be out of here. So Jade's just that one more step close to being out of here. Now, after this, we will have the Ring of Honor Championship matchup in a fatal four-way. Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Claudio Castagnoli, and Brian Danielson. Chris Jericho will retain the Ring of Honor Championship by hitting the Judas Effect on Claudio Castagnoli twice. Once when Claudio was doing a giant swing on Sammy Guevara. Then immediately after he got done hitting Claudio with the Judas Effect, he would hit him with another one just immediately off top. And that's how Chris Jericho will retain his Ring of Honor Championship. Now, in this matchup, in a fatal four-way match, you know what it is. It's usually two good guys teaming up to beat up on the bad guys, and then they'll shake hands, and then they'll do battle with one another. And then when it comes down to the bad guys, they'll create a game plan, take out whoever they got to take out. One will pin somebody, and then the other bad guy will interrupt it, and then they'll get into some type of words with each other, and then they'll start battling here. And it was the same formula here. You had that with Chris Jericho and Sammy because they're in the same group, Jericho Appreciation Society. And you had that with Claudio and Brian Danson, who's in the Blackpool Combat Club. Once they took out Jericho and Sammy, you saw Claudio and Brian shake hands, and then they just started wrestling with each other, striking with each other. And then it was time for Jericho and Sammy to work together, and they did that. You will see Jericho at one point pin, I believe, either Danielson or Claudio. I don't know which one at this specific time. Jericho would pin one of the men and he would like point over to Sammy, tell him to like stand in the corner and Sammy would just look at Jericho, but he would just stand there. And again, that was showing Jericho's dominance and power over Sammy Guevara. But eventually that would end. Guevara would like striking back with Jericho and then those two would break out in back and forth hits. And at one point you had... It seemed that Sammy Guevara was going to win the Ring of Honor Championship. When he hit Chris Jericho with the GTH, and then he followed it up with a shooting star press, but Jericho would kick out of it. So again, we had that moment of Sammy Guevara could have become the Ring of Honor Champion, but 
It was not meant to be. Chris Jericho is still your Ring of Honor champion here. And also later in the night as well, Jericho would be informed that he is going to be defending his Ring of Honor championship against Tomohiro Ishii on Dynamite. So that's another match you have to look forward to on Dynamite. Now, after this, we would get Britt Baker going against Soraya. This is Soraya's first matchup back in years. And Soraya would win the match by pinfall when Soraya would hit Britt Baker with two cradle DDTs for the win. And it was a solid match. Again, Soraya has been out of action for years. And I mean some good bit of years. I'm probably, what, what uh, five years, I'll say so. She's been out of in-ring competition. And this is her first match back. I mean, the f- most comical, not comical, like laugher, but like common thing to do in a match whenever somebody has been away and then they come back. In Soraya's instance, she was injured with her neck. You would go after somebody's neck in their return match. That's what Britt Baker did. Britt Baker went after Soraya's neck. She would uh, do a spinning neck breaker off the ring apron onto the floor on Soraya that made people worry about Soraya to make sure she's still good. You would see uh, Britt Baker even do the curb stomp on Soraya and Soraya would still be okay. And again, Soraya was basically fighting back against Britt Baker in this matchup. And it was the wrestler that has been wrestling all this time going against the wrestler that's coming back from a career ending like injury. That's what this match was about. So I'm glad Soraya was able to get her time in the sun here. Soraya was able to be back in the ring. And now I'm wondering where does this leave Soraya? I know she's going to have to get more uh, matches under her belt again to make sure that she shakes off that ring rust. And I know they're going to do that with Soraya. I just want to know who's her next opponent going to be in like a long-term rivalry. That's something that's going to be con- like contemplating in my mind because I don't know who they want to like easy lobby up to Soraya to have in a rivalry next. I don't know who, but we'll just have to see who uh, they pick whenever it's time. After this, it would be a triple threat match for the TNT Championship. Powerhouse Hobbs going against Samoa Joe, going against Warlow. Samoa Joe would win the match by submission when Warlow would powerbomb Powerhouse Hobbs two times, and then he would look to hit Hobbs with the third powerbomb, but Samoa Joe would get in the ring, hit Warlow with the TNT Championship, and then apply the Coquina Clutch on Hobbs, and Hobbs would pass out. So, Samoa Joe is now your new TNT Champion, and he is... Also, your Ring of Honor television champion. Solid uh, triple threat match here. You know what to expect here. You get three big guys, so you expect some power moves here. You expect some aerial assault moves because Warlow can do some high-flying stuff. He did a whisper in the wind onto uh, Joe and Powerhouse Hobbs in this matchup. And then you had the power of Powerhouse Hobbs. So he was able to deliver a spine buster on Warlow, and you thought he was going to win it. But no, he only got the two count here. And again, is the veteran uh, experience that gives somebody the edge. And that's what happened here. Samoa Joe had veteran experience. He was actually able to come in and sneak in and basically do what he had to do towards the end to win the TNT championship. And that's what it's all about. When you're a veteran going against two fairly newer guys on television-wise, I don't know how long Powerhouse Hobbs or Warlow has been on the independence, but Samoa Joe, he's been doing this, what, like 20 years now, at least to name value recognition to people that know who Samoa Joe is. Samoa Joe got on television in Ring of, not Ring of Honor, but uh, 
TNA in 2006. So when you do that math, that's been a long time. It's not 20 years exactly, but it's almost 20 years. So Samoa Joe has experience, and this was all about a guy that is seasoned going against two guys that's trying to get that experience, like Powerhouse Hobbs and Warlow. So Joe taught them, hey, you got to be more quicker than that. You got to think with your heads more instead of your power. So that's what happened here. Samoa Joe is now your new TNT champion, and he is still your Ring of Honor television champion. He's a double champion. And this is another Samoan who is double champion. Remember, Roman Reigns is a dual champion, the WWE and Universal champion. And Samoa Joe is now your TNT and Ring of Honor television champion. So that was a nice little fun fact for me when I thought about it. Uh, after this, we had the no disqualification tag team matchup of Sting and Darby Allen going against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Darby and Sting would win the match when Jay was going for the lethal injection, but Sting would catch him and hit the Scorpion Death Drop, and then Darby would finish him off with the Coffin Drop for the win. This was a real fun and chaotic uh, no DQ matchup because you know Sanam Singh and Sanjay Dutt was going to get involved in this. Um, at the beginning of the match, you would see Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal in the ring. You would see a body bag. Like on the entrance stage, Jay Lethal thought that Darby's in the body bag because Darby does this whole cryptic videos of him being put in a body bag and all this type of stuff. So Jay goes up to the ring. Jared tries to stop Jay, but Jay just pushed Jared off and saying, no, nah, I got it. He starts going up the ramp. Uh, smoke hits the ramp and it blasts up in Jay's face. Darby would run out and hit Jay in the stomach with skateboard and he would start laying waste to all these other uh, Sting Druids who Jeff Jarrett had come out with him during his entrance. And he would lay waste to them. Jeff is uh, waving for Darby to get into the ring. And Darby's just pointing at Jeff. Jeff does not know that Sting's in the ring. And once Jeff realized Sting's in the ring, he starts cowering and starts trying to plead with Sting not to hit him. But Sting does it. And now we get started with the matchup here. There was also another point in the match, too, where Darby Allen will be climbing a ladder that's on the entrance stage, and he sees Sonam Singh literally, like, off the entrance stage and just staring at him. Darby would jump off the ladder onto Sonam. Sonam would catch Darby and put him up in a razor's edge position, walk him towards the ramp, and just, like, chuck him onto the ramp, and Darby's body would hit a thud on the ramp. Again, Darby Allen puts his body on the line a lot. He's this generation is Jeff Hardy. I hope that he doesn't, like, take any type of pills or anything. I hope Darby, like, leans off of the risky, like, moves because you don't want to see somebody like Darby to just basically get paralyzed or do uh, something stupid that can get him, like, injured, like, incredibly worse just because he wants to entertain the people. I understand that's what Darby wants, but somebody in AEW needs to, like, grab Darby and say, no, 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 you can't do that. We're not we're not doing that here because if Sodom was not there and Sodom was there, just, just hear me out, if Sodom did not grab Darby, Darby could have literally hit Sodom and basically crashed onto that floor mighty hard, or two, he could have overshot or undershot, and Sodom would have to run and try to grab Darby, and there's a whole lot of things that could have went wrong with that, I'm glad that it didn't, but I'm just worried that Darby is taking too many risks, that he might end up hurting himself down the line, and it's not going to be a good thing. There was also another spot where Sting who is 60-something years old, and he would jump off, like, right where the fans are, that little barricade, but not on the floor, no. It's like a high perch, 
area, and he again he would jump onto Satnam. So I don't know what the deal is with people want to jump on the Satnam just because he's a seven foot something giant. That doesn't mean you need to jump on the Satnam. Saying you don't need to do that. You guys got to relax with that. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Um, Jeff Jarrett would hit Darby Allen in the back with the guitar shot when Darby would try to hit uh Jeff with the coffin drop. Jeff would hit Darby in the back with the guitar. So that was your guitar shot of the night. Um, Again, solid no disqualification matchup here. It was great. It was great for what it was. And again, Sting is undefeated in AEW pay-per-view matches. After this, we have the AEW interim women's championship match between Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm. Jamie Hayter would win the match by pinfall thanks to Britt Baker. Britt Baker would come down to the ring and she would hit Tony Storm with a curb stomp on the championship. And she would throw her into the ring. Jamie Hayter would hit a Storm Zero, but that would not put Tony away. So, continuing the two ladies battling on, Britt Baker would expose one of the turnbuckles. Storm would throw Hayter into Britt, knocking Britt off the apron. Later down the line, Jamie would throw Tony Storm into the exposed turnbuckle. This would allow Jamie Hayter to hit the ripcord lariat. And now you have Jamie Hayter as your new AEW interim women's world champion. So Jamie did dethrone Tony Storm. And you know what? It was the right time. Not the right time as in like story-wise, but it was the right time as in fan feel. Because the fans were cheering for Jamie Hayter completely. Like, that whole arena was chanting for Jamie, and it was really organic. It was not, like, man-made machine to, like, push Jamie Hayter down people's throat. No, people have been watching Jamie be in the shadow of Britt Baker. People have been wanting and clamoring for Jamie to break out of Britt Baker's shadow, and Full Gear was the night. Full Gear was the time people were... Uh, clapping up for and saying, give us what we want, give us Jamie Hayter, and Tony Khan just decided to pull that trigger. And that's a good thing, because you know what? You got to listen to your fans. If your fans are saying, yo, give us this, it's time for you to give us this, and it's going to make sense for you to give us this, don't constantly continue to peddle and give us something that we don't want. You got to give the fans what they want. Not every time, but in an instance like this, where the whole entire arena is cheering for this one thing, yeah, you got to give it to him. So I'm glad that Tony uh, Khan did give uh, the people what they want. And I'm glad that he gave people the Jamie Hayter experience. Jamie Hayter is now our new AEW Interwoman's Champion. So it only makes things more interesting when Thunder Rosa does come back. I don't know when Thunder is going to come back. I do not know that. I don't think nobody knows that except for Tony Khan and Thunder Rosa on this point. But I do see a instance where there's probably a fatal four-way matchup where Tony Storm is going to have a beef with Thunder Rosa when she comes back because me and you should have went head-to-head and I could have beat you to become the undisputed women's world champion. Now I just be known as a footnote for being an interim world champion that will piss Tony off. And then you have the whole Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter situation. Britt's going to try to want the championship because she helped Jamie in a way to win that championship. And Tony Khan's just going to make all four of the ladies basically just scrap in the undisputed uh, women's championship matchup. I see that might be the way that they want to go with this. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. That's just me throwing one thing out here. But eventually, we are going to get Jamie Hayter versus Britt Baker. Because Britt is not going to want to stand in the shadow for, but for so long. Because Britt Baker, 
herself is a star. Britt Baker has made herself into a star. So we're just going to see how long Britt's going to be like, okay, I'm in the shadow of Jamie Hayter until she like snaps off and like wants to grab the belt for herself. But we shall see when the time comes about. After this, we had the AEW Tag Team Championship matchup, The Acclaimed, going to get Swerve in our glory. The Acclaimed would retain their championships by pinfall when towards the end of the match, Swerve would put pliers in Keith Lee's hands. And the ref was not looking, and he wanted Keith to use it. But Keith would throw the pliers down and tell Swerve they don't need to use it. Swerve would then slap Keith in the face, and Swerve would see Keith start getting angry, and Keith would decide that he's going to help up Anthony Bowens, because Anthony Bowens was beat up at this time, and then he would just leave the ring and have Swerve basically left alone with the Acclaim. And in the end, the Acclaim would hit the KRS-1, which is a finishing move that the Kings of Wrestling, Claudio Castagnoli, and Chris Hero would do in their time in Ring of Honor. They would hit that move on Swerve, and that's how they would retain their AEW Tag Team Championships. Solid match here. People were with the Acclaim because they are in, I believe, Anthony Bowens' hometown. I think, no, not Anthony Bowens' hometown. They were almost close to like his home state because him and Max Caster are from the New York area, and they were in New Jersey. So, again, uh, brother and sister, New York, New Jersey, tomato, tomato, whatever you want to call it, either who. Um, you see what was going down, and everybody knew what was going to happen. You knew Keith Lee and Swerve were going to break up. Keith Lee and Swerve, they actually did uh, have good tag team tandem that night, and they were doing fine until Swerve wanted to use the pliers. Swerve is going to do anything he can to win. That's what Swerve wants, and that's what Swerve keeps on trying to do, and that's what he keeps on trying to make Keith understand that, yo, we got to do what we got to do to retain or try to win back our championships or just win matches uh, any way necessary. The same way that Pac made Phoenix learn that lesson at full gear, Keith Lee decided, nah, I am the cheat code. I'm the big man. We don't need to cheat. He said that on the video package coming up to full gear. And this right here proved it. And I think I even said in the prediction, I think that one of them was going to basically turn on each other, like walk out of the match or something. I didn't know who, but it was Keith Lee that did it. So Keith turned his back on Swerve and that will lead to Swerve's demise and uh, claim to retain their championships. So everybody knew the acclaim was going to win. We just didn't know who was going to turn on who at that moment, but it was Keith to decide to like end the partnership. Now, for the main event, we had the AEW World Championship matchup. John Moxley with Rhea Riggle in his corner going against MJF. MJF came out to a hero's welcome because they are in New Jersey and they're close to New York, which is where MJF resides. So, you know what happens here. MJF is your new AEW World Champion. They pull the trigger and they do it thanks to Rhea Regal's help. When the referee was down and Moxley had MGF in the bulldog choke and MGF would tap out, uh, Mox would notice that the referee is down and he would let go of the hold and he would go over to wake up the ref. That's when Regal would slide MGF the brass knuckles and MGF would pop Moxley in the head and then cover him for the win. And that's how MGF is your new AEW world champion. Now, everybody saw this coming. Everybody knew it was coming. But people were still shocked that Regal turned his back on MJF. Well, not MJF, on Mox, but helped MJF win the matchup by doing so. Now, 
if you guys did listen to my Wrestling Highlights of the Week episode, I said that Max did not tell a lie. Max, last year, when he had his feud with Darby Allen, he didn't tell a lie. He did beat Darby Allen with a headlock takeover maneuver to beat Darby Allen. He said he was going to do that to Darby in the weeks leading up to his matchup with Darby at Full Gear last year, and he did that, but he hit him with a dynamite diamond ring first before he did execute the headlock takeover to win the matchup. So MJF did not lie. In the weeks leading up to this match with Moxley, he said he was not going to use the dynamite diamond ring. He did not use the Dynamite Diamond Ring in this matchup. As a matter of fact, there was a point in this match where he was going to use it, but Regal started scolding Max to say, put that Dynamite, put the ring down, put it down. And you just see Max just scarling back and just giving Regal a real nasty, mean look. And he flips Regal off the bird. So this made you think that, okay, MJF is going to really win the match clean. He's going to do things his way. But you also got to remember, in the weeks leading up to his match with Moxley too, he says, listen, I'm not going to use the Dynamite Diamond Ring, but I'm still going to do something dastardly because, listen, I'm still MJF. Come on now, I'm the devil. Come on. So, again, he let people know, I'm going to do something nasty. I'm still going to cheat somehow. He let everybody know this. And even so, to the point, he let you guys know to your face verbatimly, when he had his final confrontation with Moxley on the final episode of Dynamite, he said, I'm not going to use the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Isn't that right, Regal? And Regal was standing there just, like, giving Mox, not Mox, but giving MJF the, like, mean dog, like, snarling face while he was holding the brass knuckles. Everything was in your face. Point by point, plan by plan, AEW, MJF, that whole story played everything out in your face, and it was all up to you as the observer, as the fan, to pick up on these things. Me, I picked up on it, and I said, okay, he's either going to have his own makeshift brass knuckles that he's going to beat Moxley with, or Regal was going to slide him the knuckles. I said that in the wrestling highlights of the week that I dropped yesterday. I said that, and for me to see what I saw with Regal passing in the knuckles, I said, okay, that was easy. That was easy to see because you guys laid it out for the table. The only thing that fans had to do was just show up, watch the show, and just eat and just know, okay, you guys follow the plan. You guys follow the story. Congratulations. This is your reward for following the story. Max is now the new AEW World Champion. And it's good because you know what? Moxley, hopefully he gets to have his vacation time now. He's earned it after waving the AEW flag for so long now. He's been putting the AEW uh, banner and the work rate and everything on his back for some time now. So hopefully he gets to enjoy his nice vacation. That's one and two. MJF, he finally gets to hold the world championship. It's now the right time because he's now matured up. He has the right physical physique. He is known to people. As a matter of fact, he's now going to be more known because he's going to be in the uh, Von Eric movie that's going to be dropping probably next year because he's in that movie. So that just more catapults MJF one in the mainstream and two is going to help AEW if Max is your world champion because being associated with that movie that has Zac Efron in it, who is a Hollywood uh, star that elevates your company and that elevates your guy who's holding your world championship to help elevate said company. 
So MJF right now holding the World Championship, it makes a lot of sense. It's going to do well. But the main thing is, when are we going to see CM Punk back? That is my thing. When are we going to see CM Punk? Is CM Punk going to be helping MJF down the line later? I think he will. Because remember, MJF constantly says he is the devil. The greatest trick that the devil played was making people believe that he does not exist. That is out of the CM Punk handbook. MJF is CM Punk, but in a different variation. CM Punk is more punk rock. I dress in jeans, punkers t-shirts, all this type of stuff. MJF, he is suits. He carries himself in a different type of manner, but he still has that same punk philosophy. I say what I want, do what I want. There's nothing you can do because I am the man and you know I'm the man. Those two are the exact same thing, but just very different variants. When is Punk going to come back? The elite are back. There has not been any uh, situation saying that Punk isn't going to be back. I just think that Punk being back, either A, helping MJF, thanks to everybody saying F CM Punk, and I think this is going to carry a torch for CM Punk when he comes back. I think he's going to light the fans on fire and be a ferocious bad guy that's going to help MJF basically tear down AEW. Because remember, the contract or the bidding war of 2024 i think cm punk might say you know what i'm gonna help you kid and i'm gonna help make sure that you're still world champion so whenever the time has come tony's either gonna a pay you a lot of money or me or you gonna jump right over to the other company and we're going to throw this piece of trash belt piece of garbage belt in their trash over there on their biggest stage ta 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 and that makes cm punk a bigger villain that will help catapult MGF as a big villain as well and it gives CM Punk and MGF that Paul Heyman and Punk like type vibe that CM Punk had in 2012 and again it will elevate CM Punk and it will elevate MGF and it will elevate AEW because it will make people think okay who's going to take the belt off of MGF that's already the conversation that people are having now but imagine that conversation more whenever CM Punk comes back and he aligns himself with MJF. that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be catastrophic nuclear type deal for the fans and for the wrestling world because you have two guys who are one who is already has his legacy cemented CM Punk another guy who's trying to submit his legacy MGF that is the thing when you have these two forces literally connecting together and they have magic and they do that's going to send your company bigger and better into places that you want your company to be, and for people outside of not just wrestling, but in the entertainment field to watch the product, because, again, different variants, MJF and CM Punk, but they both are two guys who say what they want, and you could just believe that whenever Punk and MJF show up on talk shows or something, they're going to light up the talk show's hosts. They're going to talk trash to them. They're going to say what they got to say, but they're still going to represent AEW in a way that, elevates AEW but again right now this is MJF's moment I'm just jumping ahead of myself because it just seems like the perfect recipe for MJF to be with himself for a couple months and then miraculously CM Punk pops back up and he's with MJF but my question is where does this leave the firm in MJF is the firm and MJF really a broke up commodity or was this all part of the plan? Was this all part of a hoax? We'll have to see when the time comes around. I'm hoping that this all was a hoax because I believe MJF should have a faction around him. 
He's a big time name. His whole character is, listen, I don't step in the ring unless I got to. And when you have a big faction around you, you have henchmen to do your dirty work. It makes sense. It makes logical sense. And now it makes more logical sense because he is the world champion. Why not have a big group of guys around him that you pay to do your dirty work for you? That's all the firm was when they did win the poker chip for him at All Out, the previous pay-per-view. So, I just want to know where does this lead the firm and MJF? Was this all a hoax or was this a real deal? Did they break these two entities off? I don't know. The only thing that we are certain right now is that AEW has a new world champion, MJF. It was the right time. I'm glad Tony Khan pulled the trigger. And we just got to see what happens with MJF uh, going into Dynamite. I know they're going to give MJF probably some TV time when AEW first starts and have him talk and like prance around at Peacock the way that only way that MGF could. And I can't wait to see it because him peacocking around and probably wearing some suit that's probably like so gold or probably like platinum is the MJF way. And I just can't wait to see it personally. But anywho, uh, that was my AEW full gear uh, review. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys tune in to Dynamite uh, this upcoming Wednesday to see what happens with AEW. Also, if you could, Please listen to my Sunday episode as well. I did drop it as well right now. It should be available. And just take a listen to it. Why not? Shoot, you're on Thanksgiving break. Why not just do it? Um, With that all being said, I love you all. Please have a good Sunday. Please do not be a dick. Please be careful. And just be courteous to everybody around you. Now with that, Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh Jesus wept.